I am reading from the English Standard Version. Um, Galatians 6, 11 through 15. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised so they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Over the years of history, there have been lots of famous deaths. It's a good way to say it. We could go to John F. Kennedy, right? We could uh, point to Marie Antoinette. We could point to Cleopatra. We could point to Julius Caesar, Itu Brute, right? Um, but we don't refer to any of those deaths as the assassination or the guillotining or the poisoning or the stabbing. Those kind of references just wouldn't be comprehensible. We wouldn't understand what anyone is talking about. And yet, without thought, we throw out the crucifixion. And that's just kind of normal language. And everybody knows what we're talking about. Everybody knows the death that you are referring to. The cross of Jesus stands alone in this regard. I want you to think about how many thousands of crucifixions there must have been in the Roman Empire, and yet there's only one that is remembered. There's only one that has had such significance, such world-transforming power, and it's the cross of Christ. We are in Galatians chapter 6, and we started off last week saying that Paul is wrapping up his letter by giving some final thoughts. And what he's going to do, we touched on last week, he's going to give two final warnings, and that's what we talked about last week. And now he's going to give two final invitations. And I want to cover the first of those this week. The second invitation will be next week, okay? And so in verse 11, he starts out his final words. He says, look at what large letters I write with. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in detail next week. But for now, let's just say he gets his big chief you know, pencil out, the the really big one, and he starts writing in these large letters. And the the thing that we need to understand is that when he does that, he's saying, this is the most important piece that I can share with you. If you miss this, then you've missed the rest of the letter. If you don't get this, you miss everything. There's one thing that I have to leave you with, and you have to get this. It is the cross, the cross. And so his first invitation in his final words is, I need you to understand the cross. That is the most important thing about our faith. Everything in the Christian life goes back to the cross. It is why we are here. We can give lots of examples of that, but let me just give you a few. Um, If you go back to Peter's confession, Jesus 
is in front of his disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon. That's awesome. And then Jesus starts talking about the cross. He starts talking about the way he's going to die. And Peter pops up and he says, no, no, it's never going to be that way. That's not going to happen to you. God would never allow that. And Satan showed up in Peter's words. Do you remember what Jesus says to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. And here's the deal. Satan didn't show up when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Satan showed up when Jesus started talking about the cross. Because the cross is the center of everything. Here's another one. Of all of the things that the gospel writers could have shared with us about Jesus' life, we don't get hardly any of it. There's this little part in the book of John, the gospel of John, at the very end where he says, I suppose that you could fill all kinds of books in the world with everything that could have been written about Jesus. And it's a little frustrating because we're like, why didn't you write it, John? I want to know those things. Why didn't you write it? The first one, uh, one to 11, the first half of the book of John, those chapters are all devoted to Jesus's life. Um, his miracles, his teaching, you know, those, the good things that he did. But chapters 12 through the end of the book, the last half of the book, are about the last week of his life. And it is if John is saying to us, I have given you what you need. You want to know all of these things about Jesus that I didn't say, I've given you what you need. I've given you the cross because the cross is the center. Jesus himself, here's another one left a reminder for us that the cross is the center of our faith. Every week we come around this table. It's called communion. And we pass emblems to remind ourselves of the cross, what Jesus did for us. Why? Because Jesus said, there's only one thing I want you to remember. I want you to do it over and over every time you meet. I want you to reenact it. I want you to drill it in. It is my death. It is the cross. That's the center. Everything in the Christian life is built around this thing, not your personal success in Bible reading, not your personal attendance record, not your um, minutes in prayer. All All of those things are important. Okay, but the center is the cross. Here's the last one. We don't really need more teaching, do we? (laughs) We are all educated way beyond our ability to obey. And Jesus comes, and let's just be honest, Jesus throws out a bunch of teachings that are really not any different than a lot of other religions would say. And yet, we can't obey them. And even if we were following another religion that is, you know, the ones worth following anyway, all kind of have the same ideas, uh, love people and serve people and be a good person. But we're not able to do that. And that's what sets Christianity apart because Jesus didn't come just with some good teachings. Jesus came with a way for us to finally obey the teachings and be right with God. And that way was a cross, a cross. What we need is a new heart. And the cross is the only mechanism for that. And so if you are here today and you don't follow Jesus, then the first step is to understand the cross.
And if you are here today and you have followed Jesus for a while, then your path to growth in the Christian life is to understand the cross. Everything is about the cross. And so I want to give you a few insights today uh, to help you understand the cross. And of course, we could go, we could, you know, have millions of points. Um, Let me just give you a few. Number one, I want you to understand the cross and the new heart that it creates. The new heart that it creates. Verses 12 and 13 are kind of a recap of the Galatians letter. Paul says... um, These teachers have come in and they have tried to steer you to your own good works, to the law of Moses. Uh, After I preached the gospel to you and I went away to start churches other places, these teachers have come in and they basically said, yeah, that Jesus guy is really good. The cross is really helpful. But at the end of the day, you also need to uh, obey the law of Moses. You also need to be circumcised in order to be right with God. And that's, that's what needs to happen. And so Paul says their motive in doing this Verse 12 was to make a good impression outwardly. In other words, their motive was all about outward appearances. They wanted notches in their belt, so to speak, right? So that they can stand in front of God and say, hey, look what we did. Look at all the followers that we made and look at all the good things that we were able to get them to do for you. And it is the, the epitome of self-righteousness. And in verse 14, Paul gives his motive. He said, that's their motive. To make a good show outwardly, here's mine. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. May I never, may it never be, far be it from me. It's very strong language. May God forbid that I ever do this thing. And Paul means that absolutely, positively, under no circumstances will I ever boast in anything but the cross. And what he means is that there's only one thing necessary. There's only one thing that could be in the center of my life. Nothing else comes close. May I not even think of anything else but the cross. He wrote this way in 1 Corinthians. He says there that when I came to Corinth, I determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. It doesn't mean that other things don't matter. I mean, you got bills to pay, right? You got to pay your bills. But it means that the cross has to be at the center of what we do. It has to be at the center of our lives. And when the cross is at the center, then he's able to say this. When I put the cross at the center, the world is dead to me and I'm dead to the world. I'm crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. And what he means is that I no longer, because the cross is the center, I no longer need anything that the world offers to be right with God. And it means I operate with a new motive and a new heart. Second is the offense that the cross conveys. The offense that the cross conveys. Have you ever thought about the offensiveness of the cross? It's something that's written about uh, multiple times in the New Testament that the cross is offensive. And we have to ask ourselves this question Have you ever been offended? By the cross. And if not, if the answer is no, then maybe we don't understand it totally. And so, verse 12, Paul says, The cross is offensive, and for that reason, the teachers don't want to preach it because they know that they'll be persecuted when they do. And so, Paul hints here that at, the, at its very core, at its very nature, the cross is insulting when it's understood correctly. 
And if it's not that way, it doesn't have the power to save. He'll write that in, in chapter 5, verse 11. If I give in to doing things so that I can be right with God in my own efforts, then the cross has no power anymore. And so let's uh, share a few ways that the cross is offensive. And this is really the heart of the message today. First of all, it uncovers our depravity. It uncovers our depravity. I want you to imagine that you are uh, outside of your house and you're outside of your house because your house is on fire. And the great thing is, good news, you have gotten everybody out of the house. Not only everybody, but you've gotten all the things that you really care about. You've gotten them out of the house, uh, including the turtle and the dog and uh, the pet boa constrictor, you know. They're all there on the sidewalk and everybody is safe and all your things are safe. And then your neighbor comes up to you running from his house. He sees the house is on fire and he bolts by you. He says, let me show you how much I love you. And he bolts in. I'm going to save your kids. He bolts into the burning house and you look at him and you look down the sidewalk and you say, one, two, three, four. Yeah, we're, they're all here. What, what are you, that's, what are you doing? That's ridiculous. That's insane. That's stupid, right? Say yes. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Let me do, let me do that same illustration with one difference. Let's say you get everything out that you need to get out, but he runs by you and as he runs by you, you count your kids and one of them is missing. Oh my goodness. I got the snake, the turtle. Uh, nope. There's a kid in there. And he runs by and he says, let me show you how much I love you. I'm going to go into your house, your burning house, and I'm going to save your kid. And he does. He saves your child at the cost of his own life. That's a very different scenario, right? Then you say, oh, what an awesome sacrifice that is because we were going to lose something. So here's the deal. I want you to follow this. If, spiritually speaking, we are on the sidewalk and we are not lost, we are able to be right with God by our own works, by circumcision or following the law of Moses. We're able to do, just be a good person and be able to be right with God. If that's the case, then for Jesus to come by us and rush into the burning building and sacrifice himself on the cross, oh my goodness, that's, just, that's not just nice, that's insane. That's stupid. That's ridiculous. And so what the cross tells us is that we are hopelessly lost. We are hopelessly wicked. There is no other way out for us. There is no other way for us to be saved than for the death of the Son of God to take place. And so we are, we are one or the other. We are either lost in sin and Jesus' death, his death makes lots of sense because it's the only way we can be saved, or... There are other ways to save ourselves, and Jesus' death is a pathetic waste. It's one or the other. There's no middle ground. The one thing that you can't say is this. You, you can't say, well, Jesus died on the cross, and that's a wonderful thing, but I think all good people everywhere are eventually going to make it to God. No. It's one or the other. Either the cross is what saves us, 
or our goodness is what saves us. That's the whole point of the Galatian letter, right? The teachers are saying your goodness can get you there. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. It's only the cross. And that's why the teachers were offended by it. Here's another reason you might be offended by the cross. It claims to be the only way. It's what I've just said, right? If the cross claims to be the only way, then there are a couple words that come to mind immediately. If Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and nobody gets to the the Father except through me and my cross, then the first word that comes up is, man, that's that's pretty intolerant. Like, like let's let's put a word, that's exclusive. That's exclusive. I mean, to be saved, I have to believe in Jesus? Yeah, that's what he says. But here's the deal about the exclusivity of the cross. Anyone can come. And so it's the most inclusive exclusivity that you will ever find. You have to come by way of the cross, but anyone can come. There are no distinctions. That's partly what Paul means when he says uncircumcision doesn't mean anything and circumcision doesn't mean anything. There are no more distinctions. And so, yes, it's, it's, it's exclusive, but it's the most inclusive exclusivity that you'll find. Here's the other word that pops up when we say the cross is the only way. It's humiliating. I mean, we're church people, right? We get dressed up on Sunday. We, oh well, I mean, a little bit, right? Shoes, shoes. Uh, we we want to look good. We want to do good, right? We want to be people who are salt of the earth. And what the cross says to us who have been at the game a while, who maybe we feel like we're a little farther down the road in maturity, what the cross says to us is that our goodness still isn't good enough. We are sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no distinction. And we, even good people, need the cross. Nothing less than the death of God himself will correct our sin problem no matter how good we are. And that's pretty humiliating to us. Here's the last thought. The cross stands opposed to the flesh. Against The cross stands as a monument against every scheme of self-salvation and pride. You cannot be a Christian by trying. You've you've heard a lot of people say, well, I tried Christianity, it just didn't work out. That's impossible. You can't try Christianity because you don't do anything in Christianity. What you do is you die to what Jesus did for you. Jesus came and he gave his life for you. He lived a perfect life in your place. He dies in your place. And then you die to trying to earn God's favor by your own power and you accept his work as your own. It stands opposed to every kind of good work that we could put forward. And so if you truly understand the cross, it's either the greatest thing ever or it's total foolishness. And the Galatian problem is that they are trying to marry both. They're trying to marry both ideas that the law will save me and the cross will help. And what Paul says, the one thing, the large letters I need you to see is that is impossible. You can't do it. It's one or the other. So the final thing I need you to understand about the cross is the power that it contains. The power that it contains. Christians are identified by what was accomplished on the cross. It's not about our own goodness as I've been saying. 
And Paul here gives us a simple test in this little uh, text to know where you are leaning. Do you lean towards your own works or are you leaning towards the cross? And the test is this, in what do you boast? Verse 14, he says, may I never boast in anything except the cross. So we need to ask ourselves, where are we? Where are we boasting? The heart of your religion is what you boast in. At the end of the day, when the smoke clears, what is the reason that you think that you are right with God? And the answer to that question will either steer you to yourself or to the cross. Martin Luther, uh, Martin Luther said it this way, that when you're attacked, when uh, life kind of beats you down or when you fail in some way, um, he says, ask yourself this question, how do you defend yourself to yourself? What kind of internal self-speak is going on when life doesn't go the way you want? He says, that's what you're boasting in. And when you boast in something, it's always in something, right? It's this is my joy. This is my glory. This is my way to be something. I don't, if I don't have this, then I'm nothing. And most of the things that we boast in are things of the world, things of the flesh, things that we can do, our accomplishments or our standing, uh, those things. And what Paul is saying is if the world is throwing you around a little bit today, if you're bitter or if you're angry or if you're discouraged or despondent, if you're scared, you're afraid, in other words, if you're any of those things, then the world is controlling you in some way and you are looking to something besides the cross to save you. That's what you're boasting in. And looking to that thing for salvation is something that it can never give you. And so if you boast in the cross, here's the great news today. If I put the cross in the center, and if that's my identity, and, and if everything is filtered through the cross and nothing else in the world, then the world has no power over me. If you boast in the cross then the side effect of that is that the world has no power over you. The gospel summary is in verse 14. Paul says, I am saved wholly because of Jesus' work, not mine. And if that's the only boast I have, then the world suddenly becomes dead to me. It doesn't have any claim on me anymore. And that's what one commentator says. It's a great line. The gospel destroys all of the power that the world once held over me because there's nothing in the world that I have to have to be complete. So I want to note one thing, that when Paul says, I'm dead to the world and the world is dead to me, he doesn't mean not to have anything to do with the world. That's not what it is. But there's an irony that if I operate in such a way that I feel I must have nothing to do with the world, right? If I need to separate myself from the world and just uh, wall myself off from it, Paul says the great irony is that the world still controls you. You look really religious, but in the end of the day, the, the world is still controlling you. That's not the path. Paul says that when the cross is the center and the thing that we look to for everything in life, then Christians are in a, in a position that nobody else gets to be in. We're in a position where the world has no claim on us anymore. We're in a position of freedom. I no longer need to fear the world on one hand, 
And on the other hand, I no longer need to worship the world because the cross is in the center of my life. And so I have to ask myself this. It's a great question for you to ask this week. Does the world or any part of it have power over me right now? And if so, then there's a corner of your life that you're boasting in something beside the cross. And you need to, you need to wrestle that down this week and put the cross back in the center. I would like the uh, people who are serving communion to go ahead and get in place. It's a great uh, day to wrap up our time together uh, around the table. Because the table is all about the cross, right? And our how-to-do-nothing statement this week is boast only in the cross. And that's what we get to do around the communion table. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. But as we come every week and we share the illness together, one of the things that we are doing is we are boasting in the cross and we're doing it collectively. And so let me give you a couple of hints how to do that on a personal level as we do it all together collectively. Number one, recall the cost. As those emblems come by today and you take those emblems because you're following Jesus, recall the cost. God is not some wimpy grandfather God who just winks at sin and just overlooks it, sweeps it under the rug, nor is he the opposite extreme, a bloodthirsty man, madman that, that demands the sacrifice of our children to be right with him. He's, he's neither. Instead, he's perfect. And he demands that a price is paid for sin. But he sends his own son to pay that price. Not your son, not my son. His own son to pay that price. God shed his blood for you. And so remember that. Recall the cost. Secondly, recall the reason. Recall the reason. The reason that he sent his son is that nothing else in the world can do what the cross does. Nothing else can save you. Not anything that you do. And so ask yourself, what am I boasting in right now? Is there some sort of control that I want? Some sort of accomplishment that I want? Some sort of pleasure or wealth or status? And you need to look at that thing that you're boasting in. And you need to say, that will never die for me. But Jesus does. Jesus has. That dream job, it'll never save me. Attaining that status that I want, it will never make me beautiful. Chasing that bank account that I'm after, it will never give me the true inheritance of one of God's children. It will never do it. But the cross of Christ will give us all of those things. We have a God who has died for us and saved us. Boast in the cross. And the cross will become a power for you. Verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world.